listen to the lyrics as we've been singing them, I've been thinking how, uh, how well they've been chosen. So thank you, Carrie, for those choices this week. Let us stand and sing one of my favorites, Holy, 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 number three. Please sing.
When did he touch my nose and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Who shall I send, and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I. Send me. Amen. Connecting. Nine ways to connect with God. That is what our series is about. And last week I said that intimacy with God is key to a vibrant faith. And this isn't rocket science, is it? If we want to have a vibrant and meaningful faith, which we do, we need intimacy with God. That's the heart of where it comes from. And so we can finish this statement. I feel closest to God is when. And that would tell us how each one of us finds our intimacy with God. Of course, if you've grown up in the church, then you would know that there, we uh, encourage something called quiet time, right? Or devotionals, daily devotionals. Spend time each day with Jesus, reading some of the Bible, making some notes, hopefully reading another book that would help you to learn a little bit more and grow your faith. And then, of course, coming to church, right? That's supposed to be the pinnacle of our worship experience is coming into church, gathering together with other believers. But what happens if those things are sort of ho-hum? It might make you ask the question, is there something wrong with me? And we need to remember that we are all unique. We are as individual as our fingerprints. God has made each one of us unique. And so therefore, we may have different ways that we connect more powerfully with God. And so the question we're asking through this series is, how do you connect with God? And the book that I've chosen for this, I was inspired by, let's say, is Sacred Pathways by Jerry Thomas. I mentioned that last week. And in that series, last week we talked about the naturalist, right? And, and how important that was. Uh, but through it all, we have these nine that we have. Uh, the naturalist is the first one, and the sensate is second. Third is traditionalist. Fourth is aesthetic. Fifth is activist. Sixth is caregiver. Seventh is enthusiast. Eighth is contemplative. And ninth is intellectual. And if you can't keep track of all of the ones, don't worry about it. But we're going to spend nine weeks covering all there are different ways that we can connect with God. And there are different amounts of each one of these that may appeal to you or many of them. And maybe at different times there will be different amounts in different ways with God. So last week I talked about the naturalist, and I said that connection can help us, excuse me, I said creation can help us connect to our Creator. Right? When we go outside, or for me, when I go outside at night, and look up and see all the stars, especially if I'm away from town or city, you know, up north, where you can see just literally many stars. Millions, billions, trillions, I don't know what number you use. And I'm overwhelmed. And it makes me connect to God. Today we're going to talk about God and our senses, though. Now, when I was a kid, I used to play a game. And the game was, what sense could I live with? Or in other words, if you had to choose, what sense would you lose? And so I would say, well, maybe sense of smell, right? Because sense of smell, eh. And then I thought about things like chocolate. Right? That would be kind of sad. Some people say that pictures don't have any sense of smell to them. Well, what about that? Maybe 
have already inadvertently and unintentionally given up that sense. And you're like, I just come here to smile at people because I can't hear a word that's going on. Sweet little Alma Anderson. She was such a nice lady. And she would come here and she would show up and she would tell me, thank you for your message. And it wasn't until she passed away that I found out that in the latter years, she couldn't hear most of what I said. Uh, mixed blessing maybe. Anyway, maybe it, maybe you couldn't give up that sound because you know you the sound of a baby laughing is a delightful sound. You hear the cricket just outside the window right now. How many sounds have you been hearing? What sense did you give up when you had to give up one? So last week we talked about the naturalist. We're talking about the sensing by that. What they what the book means, the author means is using our senses, and the fact that our senses can help us connect to God. I again turn to the survey that he has in the book. I'll help you understand what he's talking about. Are you a sensitive? Listen to these statements, and they'll help you to recognize whether this is for you or not. Number one, I feel closer to God when I'm in a church that allows my senses to come alive. When I can see, smell, hear, and almost taste his majesty. Number two, I enjoy attending a high church service with incense and formal communion or Eucharist. If you don't understand what high church is, look at that. I have a difficult time worshiping in a church building that is plain and lacks a sense of awe or majesty. Unity is very important to me, and I have a difficult time worshiping through second-rate Christian art or music. The sensei says, let me experience. Number five, I'm naturally drawn to museums and concerts more than I'm inclined to either walk in the woods, work in a soup kitchen, or read a book by myself. And finally, I would really enjoy drawing exercises, icons, or classical music playing in the background to improve my prayers. Are you offended? Interesting to stop and think about the fact that God employs senses. He employs the senses. Right when we looked at creation last week, after God had created things, he stopped and paused, and it says God saw that it was good. And then after the flood, after everything had happened, and Noah and his family come back out of the ark, Noah builds an altar to God, and he sacrifices some of the clean animals on it. Genesis 8.21 tells us the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma. How often do you stop and think about the fact that God smells? He was made in the image of God. And so last week I said when we enjoy creation, we reflect our creator. And that's true. But when we use our senses, we also reflect our creator. How do your senses help you connect to God? Well, it's pretty straightforward, right? Uh, the benefits of our senses are the senses themselves. Uh, we have sight. We have smell. We have touch. We have sound or hearing, and we have taste. Five senses. Sight, smell, touch, sound, taste. And most of it is in that passage that I read with you this morning. Sight. Isaiah is there. I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. This incredible vision that Isaiah saw. Smell, the temple was filled with smoke. That has a sense to it, right? When I was in Eden and the furnace had turned on there for the first time, and you could smell the dust burning off the elements there. Got me tasem, got people saying blessing to me, so that's good, right? I want to be blessed. And this vision carries on. There's this altar in the vision, this, this, the altar of the temple, 
And one of the seraphim, one of these angelic creatures, flew to him with a live coal in his hand, and he was taken. He touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. It was touched in that moment. For Isaiah connected with God. And then he said, I heard the sound of the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? So it sounds. If Isaiah was missing any of his senses, he would have missed out on part of what God wanted him to experience. And then there's Kate. Grab your Bibles and turn with me to John 6, and we're going to look at just a few verses, verses 53 to 56. John chapter 6, verses 53 to 56. I want to talk to you a little bit about what I'm going to do here. Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I In this moment, we see elements of communion where we remember the sacrifice of Jesus. Jesus is not saying, please kill me and eat me in some cannibalistic way. But when we participate in communion, when we have the body of Christ and the blood of Christ, we consume them. They become part of who we are, our very selves. And so Christ is in us, and we become one together. When we follow Christ, we are to follow him in the same sort of way. Taste and see that the Lord is good. And so I have questions to help you think about this, to process what it means to be a sensei. When you look around, what do you see that connects you to God? When you're out and about, when you're inside, what do you see that connects you to God? Is it the majesty of a starless sky? Is it some wild storm that's coming through? Right? It shakes the house with the thunder. Right? Sometimes I feel God in those places when I see the lightning and the power of all of that. Maybe when you go into a really fancy and ornate church, you see all the stained glass and the beauty there. Anyone ever seen this picture before? Anyone ever not seen this picture before? This is, this is a piece of art designed to help us to look and to connect with God. I'm not going to unpack it too much today, but it's about Jesus standing at the door and knocking. I stand at the door and knock. If you look outside, there are thorns and thistles. If you look closely, you'll see that the door can only be opened from the inside. There's no handle on the outside. Please see connected to God. A priest named Henry Nowen, uh, we've talked about some of his books, uh, he was visibly moved by the painting that Rembrandt did of the prodigal son. It's kind of uh, amusing if you tell the, the age and years you hung out by the way that people are dressed. This is not how I would visualize the story of the prodigal son. But it was a Renaissance piece, I think. But he's so moved by that act of, of compassion that it moved him into caring for people who are physically and mentally handicapped. And he created these large centers around the world provide a home for them that treated them with dignity, respect. 
I'm going to be honest. But there are certain things, if you go back in time, if you go back to different culture, if you look at the ancient Israelites, and they had the temple and the tabernacle where they sacrificed animals on it. That smell, that burnt offering, would be very reminiscent of something that would connect them with God. It was incense as well as they had that connected them with God. I encourage you to do something kind of funny. Praise funny. What I want you to do is lean forward and sniff the few ahead of you. Go ahead, do it. Sniff it. And how does it smell? Hopefully it's a good smell. Uh, Tina's very uh, very good at looking after everything, so she might be offended when I say the church has a smell to it. Don't be offended. I'm just saying everything has its own scent. And we walk into this place, we may not even be aware of it. But in our minds, in our brains, when we smell the smell of these pews, that wood smell, we go, oh, that's my church. That's where I connect with God. When's the last time you smelled communion? And you're probably thinking, he is crazy. He is not just like crazy. I've never smelled it. The juice that it has. To help them smell it. No. What do you touch that connects you to God? Have you thought, and thought about that? English parent is my first language today. Um, what do you touch that connects you to God? Again, we can go to communion, right? There is an element where we are touching things. We are passing the plate around. When you're holding that cup and you're holding that piece of bread, you connect you to God, don't you? For some people, they worship differently than us. And they have more things that have smells. Still today, there are churches where there is incense. There are candles, and they have those smells that connect people to God. Maybe your tradition growing up was different than this one. That still helps you connect to God. When it comes to touch, how about a Bible, right? A Bible is its own thing. There's so many books that have been made out there, but I don't know any other kind of book that has such thin pages as a Bible. What about religious items that you own? Maybe a cross that you wear. Maybe there's something that's hanging on your wall. You ever reach out to touch? Like, have to touch curvy. And it's the touch thing that helps you to connect with God. When I was over in Israel, I loved what Nate was saying to reach out to touch them. I feel like I'm touching him. When I was downtown Toronto, and there's some old buildings there, I wanted to touch the brickwork because it's old and it just connects me in a different way. That connects us to a different way. What are the sounds that connect you to God? Maybe it's the sound of preaching, maybe it's something else. I love the sound of a full, massive pipe organ. When I was at uh, my old pastor's funeral service, down at the Baptist Vatican, also known as Yarminster Park in Toronto, that person who was playing the organ it was brilliant. They knew how to play it beautifully, and the sound was incredible. Maybe that's not your thing. Maybe you like more choral music, and the voices that come together in beautiful harmony are something that just make you lifted into that space of close connection with God. Maybe you like country music. If so, I'm praying for you. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so maybe some of you know, there's country gospel, right? And some people find maybe that connects them to God too. I like some country music. Maybe it's a natural sound to your life. Maybe it's the other nature you hear that. And that draws you closer to God. 
God be closer to God. Or maybe it's Thanksgiving dinner, right? When we have the harvest time, we're celebrating God's goodness to us. And we have all this food and it just draws us into a spirit of thankfulness to God. And maybe when it's just something simple like toast, and you're thankful to God for that because of his provision. So let me challenge you to try this out for yourself. When you read the Bible, think about all five senses. Whenever they're present, whenever it's appropriate, stop and think about what it would be like to be in that space, in that time, engaging all five senses. When you worship, Think about all five senses. Whether you're worshiping at home or whether you're worshiping here, engage as much as you can. Because our senses can help us connect to God. Now, there are some dangers. The author always talks about the dangers that can happen. And if you're a sensate, there are dangers. Um, I reworded it, but I use the word emotionalism. And emotionalism is for those people that are so wrapped up in all of the sensory experience of everything that they're just wrapped and they're, they're lost in that. When they rely on their senses to connect with their God. I have to be, I have to feel it, I have to smell it, I have to be embroiled in it to connect to God. And, and they're all about all of the senses and they're lost in it. But the truth of God is not dependent on our senses. If you can't see God, is God still there? If you can't hear God, is God still there? God is real, no matter how we see it. The second danger that is there is misdirection. And misdirection is simply about worshiping the wrong things. When the things that were designed for one purpose come to mean something else. When we begin to worship the things that were meant to draw us into worship. Right? When the church building becomes the actual focus of worship. Um, if you were here at Sonia's service, I, I told the story of how I teased her a little bit when uh, we were getting to know each other. And I said, you know, if we were being pragmatic, really, practical, I would say, we should just get over ourselves, shut the church down, sell it, and move into a church that attended this church with a lot more people. And as the flame started to kindle in her eyes, <laughs> I told her, that this is like home, right? But we need to make sure we don't worship it. Don't get lost in that. Sometimes it's the bells and smells that people are so connected to. Incense and all that sort of stuff. But they begin to worship them, especially when it comes to icons, this item here. To be an icon. When I was studying history of Christianity, one of the things we had to do was go to an old world type church. So I went to an Orthodox church. And it was really quite interesting. And up at the front, sort of in this area, a much larger church, much larger space, there was an open area where the priest would come, and then there was a gated area where only the priest was allowed to go. And as a pastor, I was allowed to go back there too. I asked for permission. And in behind there were all of these items, these things that were designed to help people in worship. Problem becomes when we worship those items instead. And so in Protestants, like us, we end up with very austere spaces often. As a matter of fact, one of the guys that I know years ago, I was Salford Way, they, they came into a church building they were going to start using it to be used by another church, and there was a picture of Jesus on the wall, and he took it down immediately. And he said, it says in the Bible, you shall not create any images of me. And he took it pretty extreme. But I think what's happened is at least from the baby out with the backwash. We've gone to the other extreme. And we've forgotten that we can connect with God through our senses. Our senses are there, and you 
things are there. To remind, reflect, and redirect our thoughts to God. Whether that is the stars that we see in the sky, right? Let's not make the mistake of the angels and worship them, but may they point us to God and draw us close to Him. When we look at the beauty around us of nature, it draws us closer to God. Whether it is through the fire that we have, or when we gather for communion, when there's a storm that's coming through, rumbling and shaking the house,
are so like a beard made like you. May we use our senses to connect with you more deeply and more powerfully. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our closing hymn together today is number 589. It's the words that I say. It's called, Here I Am, Lord. Please stand if you're able to sing.